We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the college edition, brought to you by Wix.com. I'm John McKechnie, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy Mario Puig. Uh, we're going to be breaking down uh, week seven of the college football slate, but uh, before we get into that, uh, I want to get into a little bit of what happened last weekend. There, there are a couple things that really kind of stood out to me. Uh, I think, first off, uh, Florida State uh, sort of being able to 
uh, bounce back after a really tough loss to North Carolina at home, go on the road uh, and beat a, beat a tough Miami team that didn't have a loss to their name yet uh, was something that really kind of uh, impressed me. What did you think of that one? Well, you have to wonder if uh, p- part of their success in that might have just been related to Miami not getting much of a test beforehand. Like Florida State had a brutal schedule sure. leading up to it, whereas Miami just kind of uh, chopped a little pieces everybody they faced. Right. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Get with the, the history those two schools have is a quite different task, especially if you're like a new coach at the at the area like Rick does. So um, I didn't I didn't foresee it going quite that way but i mean it's it's not a it's not terribly shocking and i think it's more in line with what we expected of both teams uh prior to the last couple weeks kind of maybe more of a surprise than the results to that game was that's probably a fair assessment did you see brad kyle lose a tooth during the course of the game uh no yeah he got he got he's not getting that back huh (laughs) yeah i mean uh he kind of he got rocked uh sort of reaches behind him and you just see that He's got a tooth in his hand. I got to put like, this beneath oh, my pillow. Whoop. Yeah, he just like tossed it to a coach, and the coach, you know, like had a special tooth bag. Tooth bag. For him. Get the tooth bag. <laughs> pronto stat. Um, so, so that was pretty amazing. Uh, a couple of nicknames from that game that I thought were funny. They they called the block at the rock from the uh, from the blocked extra point. Uh, but I saw one on Twitter this morning. Uh, the nightmare at the timeshare. You know, because Miami has so many timeshares. I thought that was pretty good. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, that's good. I'm just like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, we're just coming up with all these, like, just sleazy or otherwise, like, it's it's like the the Miami stereotype oscillates between like they're sleazy to like we envy them so much, right? Those like the, the rich scum, good looking uh, perverts, yeah. Et it all it all yeah. kind of melded together on Saturday, and they were throwing trash on the field at one point. I think a Florida State player said that he got spat on on his way way to the locker room. So yeah, kind of a crazy crazy yeah. scene there at Miami when we're kind of used to. Well, seeing I guess I'm glad they lost then. Was that? I yeah. guess I'm glad they lost. <laughs> yeah, I hate them now. <laughs> not good. Not a great look. Um, then w- biggest SEC game from Saturday. Uh, probably the longest game uh, that I can remember. Uh, that it just took. It took. It was I think like, like a, it was like three hours in, and we weren't even into the like, halfway through the third quarter. Is te- Tennessee at Texas A and M total relay game. Just like just an endless like s- sprint basically by both right. teams and it was like that the, the, the music ended and it was like oh uh, Tennessee is losing and yeah so I I didn't see that one being as high scoring as it was like the 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 point margin was basically exactly what I thought would happen but uh, I thought it'd be more like a you know I don't know I guess like 31 24 kind of game right. rather than uh 67 to 60 or whatever it was and uh yeah was a lot of a lot of the the usual sp- suspects com- did what we basically thought they would like Travian Williams and I didn't quite expect Trevor Knight to have such huge numbers but like the basic nature of, of their impacts was kind of what we basically thought would happen I think I, I, I at least was just surprised by the the pace at which it all occurred yeah the the pace was just you know like especially down the stretch there uh it was un- Unbelievable, and I think part of that probably had to do with the fact that uh, it seemed like defenders were, were dropping like flies on, on any on any given down, any given series. Somebody was was losing a defender. Uh, I think that's going to have a bigger impact on Tennessee because Tennessee doesn't have the luxury of a bye this week. So we'll get into that with with how they're going to be able to handle Alabama a little bit later on. But yeah, I mean. 
tons of injuries kind of led to led to this just sort of offensive explosion from both teams and you know you got to be really impressed with with how Tennessee was able to battle back when they they went down two scores I think Trevor Knight scored on a pretty long touchdown run to sort of uh, put them up I think by by two scores relatively late in the fourth quarter and and Tennessee or at that point I, I switched over to the Washington game to, to see the the beginning of that massacre and then yeah. uh, switch back because I, I got this feeling in like the pit of my stomach that there's something just wasn't right i hadn't seen enough on twitter saying that tennessee was was dead yet so switch not back enough and, gifs of uh purple butch jones right spitting on himself <laughs> yeah. so i so i knew there's something was awry and and you know lo and behold uh tennessee was able to poke out that that fumble at like at the goal line on trevion williams and uh tie it up send it overtime and uh of course i, I think it, I really was was kind of losing my mind when when A and M completely. I mean, not even just missed the the kick to to win it in regulation, but just completely like hooked it, like never had a chance uh, to the left. Uh, that was just kind of an unbelievable little sequence. But he was able to to drill the game winner. So uh, that was a pretty great game. That, that definitely lived up to the hype. Um, do we want to get into the Michigan blowout just for a second? Oh uh, sure, yeah, man. I mean, Michigan is kind of kind of your beat. So uh, what's, yeah, what's up with them? Um, basically, uh, not to be outdone by Ohio State's fifty-eight point shutout of of uh, Ooh, Rutgers. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, essentially, and kind of echoing what some people have joked on Twitter, like he basically took that a trip to New Jersey as a recruiting trip as a satellite camp, as it were, <laughs> and uh, just went ahead and put on a nice little exhibition, you know, nine rushing touchdowns uh, distributed amongst, I think, five different players at least. Um, just an absolute uh, beating. I don't think Rutgers got a first down until pretty late in the fourth quarter. Uh, for the second week in a row, Juwan Harris was the only uh, player on Rutgers to catch a pass. Uh, they, Man, that uh, is uh, z- zero points. 136 surrendered in the last two weeks for Rutgers. That's uh, that's not going to make the recruiting easier. No, wow. and, and Michigan, you know, they've been getting really great players from New Jersey. I think Jabril Peppers might be from New Jersey. I, I think that uh, Rashawn Gary, their, their big uh, number one overall recruit this past year from New Jersey. I'm sure they'll get whoever they feel like from New Jersey again. How does how do you how do you as Jim Harbaugh get your players to play to that level of like almost neurotic competitiveness in something that you could never convince them mattered actually? So he basically was like, "Look, guys, I know this doesn't seem like a big deal. It's it's Rutgers. I know." But it's important that we not only win by 58 points, it's important that we hold them to fewer than three first downs, get over the 70-point mark, and guys, I'm serious, and like they all were like listening very closely and, and actually carried it out, and it was like, how do you how do you not get, how does not one player on that team just get like a little lazy enough to slip up on like one play? Uh, they drink like, the Kool-Aid, they drink, but the Kool-Aid is whole he's milk. He's turned them into absolute maniacs like himself is the only thing that makes any sense. Like, it's I don't really know, amazing. I don't, I've never cared about anything in life as much <laughs> as these guys apparently killed, uh, cared about killing uh, Rutgers by 78 <laughs> points at their stadium. Yeah, that was just... So, yeah, nicely done, Jim. I think that might You're qualify really as a cold. war crime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then did you see him last night celebrating with the with the. There's a picture of him at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse in Ann Arbor with a big steak and like instead of a you know like a glass of wine or some scotch or something, he's just got this giant goblet of whole milk uh, next to him. It's just so milk it's steak. so Harbaugh. That's yeah. a that's a that's a it's always sunny in Philadelphia joke. 
and he just he actually voluntarily does that. Yep, that's like his thing. When the fo- when the photographer left, he actually like jammed the steak into the glass <laughs> and just stirred it up. Yep, that's good milk steak. Uh, so uh, moving on from Michigan, going out west, uh, we had the we we saw Colorado lose. Uh, you know, they're kind of one of our favorite early season stories that they ended up losing to USC. Uh, Sam Darnold uh, making his third career start. Impressive again. He's uh, good, I'll yes. boldly say. Yeah, he's just kind of a tough customer. I mean, he just looks like a quarterback. Like It's like clipped out of like the 60s or 70s, but he's just playing nowadays. He just kind of has he that seems style kind of fast, and toughness right? about like him. Actually yeah. fast and mm-hmm. not just like sneaky. Like He looks fast. He right. looks like a receiver when he's running. It's, yeah, so he's he's an impressive guy. I think he's if there's any sort of silver lining this season thus far for the Trojans is definitely him, so that's something to look forward to uh, if you're a USC fan, like our friend James. Um, and then, I guess the last sort of, you know, we need to we need to start talking about this team at least a little bit is Auburn. I thought, I mean, they they came in and just uh, absolutely punched uh, Mississippi State in the mouth. Uh, they they got up at least 21 points pretty early, I think, in like the first quarter, and they did so without Kerryon Johnson. He hurt his leg. Uh, your guy Cameron Petway just sort of took it from there. 39 carries, three touchdowns. Sorry, he's uh, I I don't remember what I did to make him my guy, but he's, he's have, I've not even seen him. I thought he was a fullback. I mean, and, and he's he's just like killing it on the ground there. Yeah. Like he ran, I mean, granted, it was um whatever. Mississippi State, but sure. like that's that's not bad for a guy who was a fullback or you know in function like no higher than third on the running back depth chart prior mm-hmm. to the start of the year, maybe even fourth if it wasn't for Rock Thomas transferring. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's awfully impressive, and it's only his third 100 yard game uh, this year already. And the other two were against Arkansas, or sorry, Ar- not Arkansas, but Arkansas State and Texas A and M. So yeah, he seems uh, pretty decent. He does, and uh, I think that that Auburn defense really is for real. So yeah, it's really good. So really, the the point I'm trying to hammer home here is that you know they're on a bye this week, so they're they're going to be able to get rested up, which is good because you know if they had to play this week, you got Petway coming off 39 carries uh, against an SEC defense, and Karrion Johnson. We don't know if he would have been able to play if they were playing this week. So presumably they'll get those guys back. I think they play Auburn or. Uh, Excuse Arkansas. me, Arkansas on the other side of the bye. Yeah, they're uh, at home. That's going to be a very uh, important game to the to the Western Division. There, it's going to be really exciting. I think Auburn's going to be able to really bug some teams down the stretch here. I think they're they're like the Iron Bowl, for instance, against Bama is going to be a lot more interesting than I thought it would have been, say, a month ago. You know, so Auburn's kind of how did they get such a bad offense, especially to start the year? Like, how did Gus Malzahn, of all people, not have like a vaguely functional quarterback position? And not to like you know slander Sean White, but he's not supposed to be the quarterback of that team. It was it should have been Jeremy Johnson or John Franklin, but like that uh, neither was apparently capable is just mind blowing. Especially how good Jeremy Johnson looked in his one start three years ago or whatever Mm -hmm. it's been. Like he killed Arkansas, tore them to little tiny pieces. And like now you, you, you're voluntarily removing the running aspect of the quarterback position from a Gus Malls on offense. It's like, yeah, it's like Chip Kelly with Nick Foles or something. Yeah, very, very interesting how it's shaken out. But it seems like they've kind of gotten themselves on the right track a little bit just yeah. by just going. It's that defense, though. Yeah. I mean, Kerry and Johnson looks really good and Petway's putting up big numbers. But that defense is, is why they've been not embarrassed in, in a number of their games to start this year. Definitely. I mean, you I mean, you, you can look far as as far back as that Clemson game on, on the opening Ugh. night. I mean, that was just we were both just in, they in just shock had to and cover awe. that spread on yep. me. God. <laughs> 
and Dabo certainly helped him there. I don't forget about things like that. Um, moving on to uh, to like the disappointments from last week. Uh, this is pretty uh, West Coast centric here. Uh, yeah. Oregon, uh, I think they, I think we called them so, dead last week, but now they're like a super officially dead. Yeah, now. it's like I don't even, I don't even think we can call it a disappointment. Like it was, it was more like yes, this confirmation. Makes, this is one of the things that made sense this at this point in the year, at least based on. Uh, not that I would have seen this, you know, before the year. I, I didn't. I totally underestimated Mark Helfrich's ineptness. Um, but it's it's for real, man. He has no clue what he's doing. That team is over. He's done. Uh, yep. I know they extended him or whatever, but if if they seriously go into next year with him as the coach, you can just just laugh them off. They're a joke. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the quarterback, uh, the handling of the quarterback situation predictably did not work out well. Uh, um, threw, threw an interception on his first pass. Yeah, it's like, why not pull the guy who is a graduate transfer based on you know a couple bad games in which like the whole team was like an abject failure, Royce Freeman aside, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, why not bench him against a team that just tore apart uh, our, one of our other lead rivals in the conference? Um, why not put the, the true freshman quarterback out there uh, you know, a team that sacked was it? They sacked Burns like six times, and I they think didn't it was blitz, eight. or eight times, and they didn't blitz. So uh, that seems like a good time to to really uh, give this ambiguous uh, quarterback competition. Like, and they were like they weren't even re- willing to stand by him, uh, Herbert or whatever. They were just like, we're not saying he's the starter. We're just saying he's starting this game. And after the game, for sure, we're going to reopen the quarterback competition. It's like, why are you even doing this then? This is like, you might as well horrible. put Prukop out there to be a human shield so you don't destroy the freshman and yeah. before you open the competition anyway after the game. It's like, hey, buddy, you can't win it no matter how, how well you do in this game. Uh, but go get... You know, go get pulverized by those guys while you're at it. Yeah, that made complete sense. And then, you know, on the other side of the ball, uh, Washington made sure to uh, make a statement. You know, uh, yeah. when, when you drop 70 on somebody like that, especially in your in your own division, what? someone someone that's beaten you consistently for years, uh, I think that says a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jake Browning got a taunting. Like, Jake Browning got a taunting like he's he like running into the yeah, the what's up dude like just <laughs> just kind of uh jaunting into the end zone that was Ugh. that was fantastic that's how we all got started and then i think i think it was dante pettis that, that had this unbelievable one-handed catch in the end zone that that rivaled uh western michigan's Corey davis for for maybe catch of the week in terms of just insane one-handed nonsense in the end zone yeah i honestly can't remember a, a three receiver like trio of receivers that has as much speed as washington does, and and yeah it's it's crazy right now it's like if jake browning throws the ball 25 times he's getting six touchdowns on you like that's for a team that hasn't really doesn't that doesn't really have the ambition of throwing the ball their success is nothing less than wild so (laughs) far So that that's like, uh, sorry. I gotta yeah. look. Do you know off the top of your head how many touchdowns Brownie's up to? Because it's got to be like I think he's at twenty-five or, or okay, something. Okay, yeah, it's it's something ridiculous. I mean, considering that they only throw the ball like twenty-six times a game, too. That's just preposterous, right? So let's see here. Yep, he Jake Browning actually le- leads in touchdown passes itself. Uh, he's at he's at twenty-three. Twenty-three on one hundred and forty-four passes. And that's twenty-four that's a game. Twenty-four a game and nearly four touchdowns per game. If not like that's the, the, the for instance, Davis Webb is second with twenty-two touchdowns passing, fifty pass attempts per game, more than two times as many as Browning, and he has one less touchdown on the year. That is just, ow, that is terrifying. So yeah, efficiency. Washington is pretty good. Yep, yep. I think that is well solidified at this point. They should shouldn't have too many uh, issues the rest of the way, aside from just like getting up 
for or like getting up for like some softer matchups, but I don't think Peterson's going to let them have a letdown. Uh, speaking of letdowns, uh, Stanford had a chance to sort of get themselves off the mat. Uh, they went ahead and got pulverized uh, at home by Washington State. Yeah, that's not a good look either. I mean, I don't think anyone ever has hooked David Shaw for like a master tactician, but like that's the kind of loss that makes you look like you just have no business being involved in the competition. Like, and Washington State's not a great team. They're they're no. good, but Stanford they're is flawed. just not they're very flawed good. at a lot of different spots. Like that, they can only beat you a certain number of ways. You know. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what to think of Stanford going forward, but with McCaffrey being beat up. Uh, I think Bryce Love was recently hurt, but he's more or less fine. But they got to go on the road against Notre Dame, and if if I guess if those corners that they had hurt are back, that might change things. But uh, yeah, otherwise it's like I don't I don't even think that they're going to be that competitive for a handful of their remaining games. I guess they have a weak remaining schedule, but like I would I would take Colorado to probably beat them. I'd probably take them to lose Notre Dame this week. Even even a team like Oregon State, I wouldn't trust them to beat. Like it's yeah. they're they're looking that weak right now. Oregon State, oddly scrappy. I think they got the win off over Cal last. Yeah, week. they don't have much talent at all. But I, I do like Gary Anderson. I, I question some of the the management of their offense. But yeah, like he at least their pass defense has been kind of punching people in the face this year. Like it. Yeah. Um, another uh, another sort of head scratcher. We were watching this one in the office uh, very excitedly towards the end. Uh, Kansas. Almost beat TCU. Yeah, I don't uh, get it. TCU was able to to get to get ahead by a point towards the very end, and they were very heavily favored, as pretty much any team with the pulse uh, tends to be against Kansas. Uh, Kansas missed the game-winning field goal uh, as time expired, pretty much. But one of three missed field goals, I think. Yes, I think in it might have been like three in a row too, or something horrible like that. So yeah, I thought the guy was like three of five going into that moment of that that game. That sounds right. So it just bad news bears. But uh, yeah, so TCU. So the Big Twelve really just continues to look less and less impressive every week. I would say I don't even know how TCU is so bad. It's like their their defense stepped up a little bit in that game. Like it wasn't good, but uh, you look at their numbers on the year, and it's not like obvious. It, it, like their pass defense at a glance doesn't even look as bad as Oklahoma's, and yet like their their defense is just kind of like failing when they need it not to. Kenny Hill, I don't understand how he has his worst game of the year against Kansas. Like mm-hmm. I, I, he had five touchdowns, four hundred forty nine yards against Oklahoma the week before. Like Kansas is is really bad. It's not. It, it's it, it. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know what. I can point toward as a as a hypothesis for why they've been so bad, but I, I found it interesting. Um, they seem to be rotating the receivers just a preposterous amount. Right. Like, um, like Taj Williams, as far as I know, is averaging like 15 yards a target this year, and like he's there, there are games like last week where he has just like one catch, and and like uh, Diarce disappears after a big game, and there's these other guys stepping up for like you know four catches to lead the team in a game like that, and that I don't know how that occurs. Um, unless you're just basically not letting the other guys on the field. Yeah, it's sort of yeah, uh, that's just overdoing it. And you know, like Texas Tech seems to get away with that sort of thing to to an extent. But you know, like you said, when when you're like rotating like out like your best receivers and giving them like absolutely no volume, like, like what, does, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah, how does Williams have ten catches for three hundred and four yards the two games prior, and then have an eighteen yard catch against Kansas in a one point victory? That is, un- I mean, that yeah, that's just a complete head scratcher. I don't really know how you justify that. How you think that that's anyway, that's yeah. the best plan? Best I got plan no of action. Clue. 
They, they, there's something wrong with TCU. Obviously, they're they're just they're going to be kind of bad the rest of the year. I think. Yeah. Or not not bad. Just, just not not hard. not halfway what we thought they should have been. Exactly, and that's that's unfortunate. We sh- we should have known when uh, South Dakota State sort of gave them a scare, but I didn't want to believe it. Now I sort of believe it. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna. I think they'll lose against West Virginia next next time around. They have a bye this week. Okay. Yep. And then um, ACC. Uh, sort of a just a weird game, uh, very lopsided. So North Carolina gets blown out. I, I'm not sure if we're it's supposed to. It's just a be, hurricane. Yeah, it's just a hurricane. And yeah, I North Carolina Tech was not was more built to to you know deal with it. And yeah. then also UNC didn't have Elijah Hood. Yeah, and it, and it's just you wouldn't expect. I mean, I wouldn't expect Larry Fedora to be particularly adaptive in a scenario like that. So yeah, it looks like they kind of tried to run their offense like normal, whereas Virginia Tech was like, no, nah, we're not going to try. Yeah. And uh, it turned out that was a much better idea. So then, uh, obviously, Mitch Trubisky, uh, I just sung his praises on the XM show. He's I, fine. I, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, be fine, okay. but he threw, he threw two picks, first two picks of the season for him. Uh, that was just a just sort of a weird game. I sort of write that off as far as North Carolina is concerned. I do think Virginia Tech Yeah, is Virginia Tech is, is good. Their coach is a tactician. He's not just a, like a dogma guy like Larry Fedora, like – Fedora's system has certainly its merits. Like it, Trubisky's start to the year, where it was like no interceptions. It actually reminded me of, of Bryn Renner starting out with oh, like man. no intercept, or he had like, he had something like twenty five of his first twenty eight pass attempts completed in his first game. It, like the system is just kind of favorable to quarterbacks, but uh, he does look like their best one yet, nonetheless. Agreed. And then uh, let's see, Houston kind of got their title hopes dashed, uh, up, smashed up, even. Yeah, no, it, full on by uh, mm. by by Navy and. You know, Navy rushed the field afterward, and everyone's wearing their cool hats. And uh, they got school off on Tuesday, so they had like a, a super long weekend at Navy. Yeah, shore leave. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah. So Houston, uh, I don't really know what to say. I mean, it, I feel it makes like, no sense. It yeah, just doesn't. <laughs> there, there's really no other way to put it. They're just going to be on a war path the rest of the way, I would imagine. Uh, but I think that a also probably late, means yeah. that that Tom Herman is probably gone. Unfortunately. Could be that way. Could be that way. Um, and then uh, Cal uh, losing to losing to Oregon State, but yeah, I guess Webb know, they, had a, a bad hand or something like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, it, it, Oregon State didn't throw for more. They threw for like sixty yards in that game and somehow won, <laughs> like putting up like forty. There we go. Yeah, Darryl that's just just wacky stuff. Yeah. All right, so moving into this week's uh, schedule, we got uh, some more Fun Belt action tonight, Wednesday night, always good for some Fun Belt. Uh, We got App State traveling down to Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, App State 10-point favorites on the road, uh, and the over-under sits at 48.5. Yeah, so uh, Lafayette is supposed to have Elijah McGuire he had a foot issue that he basically couldn't play through their last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Cox seems less sure of a of a play today than, than McGuire. He's the Ap- Appalachian State running back. Um, he has a quadriceps thing, and their backup Jalen Moore is awesome. So they probably yes. don't. Even, they definitely don't need him. Rather to be Lafayette. I don't know if they cover the ten points on the road, but I think they will just because Lafayette's not very good and. Appalachian State is uh, quite good as far as the outside of the Power Five goes. That's true. I, I do think that that one thing that uh, App State or uh, excuse me uh, Lafayette does have going for them is uh, they have like a pretty decent uh, run defense. Yeah, in terms of yardage, it's looked pretty good. I kind, I'm kind of confident that's just a bit of noise, though. Sure. Like uh, they've been getting a lot of tackles for loss. I don't know off the top of my head whether sacks might explain 
um, the low rushing yardage that they've otherwise allowed. But um, I mean, they're, they're giving up, uh, let's see, like 2.93 per carry. Right. Um, so yeah, they're giving up 34 points game. per game. They, I mean, I know Jeremy McNichols ran all over them and, yeah. and I, I think Jalen Moore and Marcus Cox are like pretty close to that level of, of effectiveness. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would imagine that the, Oh, also Larry Rose got going against them last week. Um, That's good to see. Yeah, yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, I think sack yardage has a lot to do with it. Lafayette does get some disruption, and they've got 16 sacks in five games for 137 yards. So maybe if you t- subtract 16 rush attempts and add 137 yards allowed, maybe they get up to like three and a half per okay. carry or something. I don't know. So something a little bit more palatable. But I do agree with you that that what App State has in the backfield it is on par with with. Uh, not quite to the Jeremy McNichols level, but you know it's right. it's something that can definitely uh, be effective. It's something that uh, Lafayette is going to have a t- hard time completely snuffing out. Uh, so they are at, Lafayette is at home, but I still feel like App State. I think they're coming off a bye as well. Um, I just think they're in a different class entirely. Yeah, they really seem to be. I think they're going to run the table. I think I think uh, App State should be able to to cover this, even if I mean, it they is double digits. Beat Tennessee Lafayette's going right? to get stepped on. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Uh, then no games uh, Thursday night uh, because the East Carolina game has been postponed. I believe Man, uh, that is bad flooding when you're like, "There's no way we can play a football game in six days or whatever yeah, it was." That, yeah, something's going on there, but um. Friday we got few few games of of interest. We got four games on Friday night. We got Duke at Louisville. Louisville coming off a bye, thirty four and a half point favorite. That's a lot. That's of like so many points. That's yeah. That's a lot of points. I can. I mean, I can imagine it. Duke's not a good team. Duke barely man. beat Army last week, but there's also you know some weather involved there. Oh yeah, I suppose so. so. I mean, their quarterback Daniel Jones was supposed to be like their third stringer this year. For some reason, he started over Parker Bame, who was the backup last year and, and he kind of did well. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but Jones turns the ball over way too much for that system to withstand. I'm surprised he hasn't been. If if they don't bench him this week, I'll be kind of surprised actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what was it that they? Uh, they they managed to uh, beat or the, yeah they they lost to uh, Wake Forest and Northwestern yes beat Notre Dame but then lost to Virginia and barely beat Army that's like that that's just like Cut, Cutcliffe kind of somehow gets them to overachieve against sleepwalking teams but they they're bad they yeah. don't stand a chance and, of yeah. covering I mean I. Th- I can imagine them covering 35 points, but God, Lamar Jackson's going to hang seven touchdowns on them. Yeah, no, that's probably it. He's going to be fresh. He's ca- and you know Louisville's coming off a loss. They're going to want to you know kind of get themselves back on track. It's it's home for Louisville. It's at night, Friday night. I know that's a lot of points, but yeah, like you said, I mean, like this this could be a situation where Louisville has 60 some odd points and. And Duke is, you know, mired down at seventeen or twenty-one. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I would think happens. Like, yeah, twenty-one to like sixty-five. There you go. Yeah, it's it's gonna get pretty out of hand pretty quickly. I, I, you'd imagine that Jackson maybe could even like score on his first touch from scrimmage. He it's, might score ten touchdowns. Yeah, no, it's seriously possible. So we'll uh, we'll have to see what happens there. But uh, it is a fat spread, but still kind of like Louisville there. Uh, we got Memphis going to Tulane. Uh, Tulane at home. Are eleven and a half point favor or uh, underdogs? I'm sorry. Uh, Memphis was able to. They kind of started off sluggishly last week and were able to kind of 
get the ship righted and and uh, beat Temple. I think they covered the the spread against Temple, if I remember correctly. Uh, I can't recall. I've, I've found their their general uh, team. Not quite. Weird. Not quite. They 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 beat uh, Temple by a touchdown. So not quite. Okay. Yeah. But so it was weird though. Uh, like Anthony Miller got hurt in that game. I think because he finished with just one catch after putting up ten catches for 132 yards against Mississippi the week before. Mm-hmm. Memphis's pass defense is really doing well so far. It's hard to tell if they've been tested, though. I mean, they they didn't they only gave up one touchdown and forty four passes to Mississippi, but other than that, they've That's played something. Southeast Missouri State, Kansas, Bowling Green, and Temple. And Temple put up four forty five and two touchdowns, and but their quarterback Philip, uh, formerly PJ Walker, just isn't good. So uh, I I kind of think I mean not that it really matters that much. I guess Tulane is not going to try to throw the ball, um, and, and Memphis is allowing four point two per carry. So. Um, if, if Miller can't give this a go, I can imagine Tulane covering, especially because of Memphis probably just isn't taking them seriously. Yeah, that's probably uh, the best way of putting it. I could, yeah, a slightly weakened Memphis team. Tulane probably going to get up for this one a little bit, especially at home on a Friday night. So I believe in Willie Fritz. I think he's a good coach. True. So, you know, I think this, this could be a situation where Memphis, uh, sort of like how you said about Notre Dame in the in the Duke game like sleepwalking not maybe not to that extent but you know Tulane Tulane should be able to get up for this and and you know keep it respectable so I think they should be able to to hang on uh by you know less than 12 points so uh feel good about that one uh we got Fresno State hosting San Diego State San Diego State 17 point uh, road favorites that kind of feels like a lot of points to me just because um them being on the road and and they did screw up against south alabama already yep uh fresno is pretty bad but i don't know this is this is only their second or uh, this is only their uh third home game of the year they've they've played some pretty tough teams like nebraska toledo uh, they did get killed by unlv though and they're terrible um mm. but they only they only lost to nevada by five on the road um their quarterback chasing virgil has not been like good but he was a surprisingly high rank he was basically like a four-star recruit maybe even like arguably a high four-star recruit yeah like he has like all the big schools attributed as offering him um they got three decent receivers but no running game at all so none uh yeah i don't know i don't san diego state should take care of them it's just like i wonder if there'll be just like so much garbage time that they they let the passing game pad stats late and cover that way that yeah the the back door definitely could be open there uh and then we got uh byu hosting mississippi state sort of just a strange strange matchup um but byu seven and a half point favorites at home Jamal I think Williams that, is I th- possessed. Yeah, he is just crushing it right now. I think that I think that BYU beats them by by significantly more than this. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. The only thing, I, the only variable I don't know how to anticipate is again Nick Fitzgerald, and he he put up like big numbers against South Carolina on the ground. Right. BYU, you would think doesn't have great defensive personnel, but their numbers have been pretty great. They did they did give up a, a total. Uh, they, they put up what like they gave up like 45 to Toledo or something it was like 55 53 okay. something like that yeah, Toledo's got a really good offense but it's sure. still not you wouldn't you just don't really think that you should let a, a non-power five team do that to you if you have a good defense so uh I can see Fitzgerald getting wild in this one but I could just as easily see them yeah just like not really doing anything um but I, I do think that that uh it it will it it shouldn't be a problem for BYU to score some points. Yeah, that that's my main issue, and and I I still just uh, the jury's out for me as far as the Miss State uh, offense is is concerned. I don't know like if they can really kind of like get chugging along uh, to the extent they where... haven't had a running back in since like uh, 
Ladarius Perkins like three years ago, and even he was not that great. See, um, yeah, they they got receivers at least. Like Fred Ross is good, and yeah, it's, I'm just I'm baffled at how Fitzgerald can put up such big rushing numbers occasionally if he's not just you know. The, yeah, that one game, it, it just like it it like you can't forget about it because you know he can do it, but you know you'd never know exactly when he's going to be able to bust it out to that extent. Um, so I still I do still feel strongly that BYU should be able to win by by double digits. Honestly. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I can't really take a side in that one, but I, I don't think Mississippi State can slow uh, Jamal Williams at all. No, really. that that guy is pretty pretty good. Um, then we got some some pretty awesome uh, kind of smaller uh, games or, or non Power Five games uh, going on Saturday. Uh, this one is is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Unfortunately, it's not going to be on any television networks. I don't believe. Um, but we got Western Kentucky going to Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State, two and a half point favorites. Uh, you know, we have we. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe got some exposure to Western Kentucky last week when they went down to Louisiana Tech, and that game ended up being incredible. I think it was like fifty-five to fifty-two or so, yeah. or something to, to that extent. Uh, Taywan Taylor made one of the best catches of the week as well. Didn't mean to omit him earlier. He he had like kind of gotten his ankle twisted up under him the series before. Tested out. Uh, just comes right out and makes uh, one of the better catches of his career, probably just right after that. So really impressive. Uh, Nick Norris also he's got he's up to eight touchdowns. Uh, Mike White's been you know you plug him in and he's been a Western Kentucky quarterback. I guess is pretty much as yeah, far as I'd, I'd go I'd with it. I'd say he's not that good, but the system is pretty much flawless, and they've they've stopped doing that. Ro- or like, at least last week they stopped doing that rotation with Tyler Ferguson. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, White, I think, is limited, and he goes against a Middle Tennessee pass defense that has really good season-long numbers. But they did get ripped; uh, they got ripped to shreds by uh, Ryan Higgins, that Louisiana Tech quarterback, a few weeks ago. So you have to wonder if it's the, just that they've had a weak schedule and they've they have. I mean, they played Bowling Green, so let's just assume that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they, I think White should be fine against Middle Tennessee. I just, I, I, I think this is an environment where you might see his flaws become more apparent, and and maybe that's how Middle Tennessee gets the win. Um, I kind of want to take Middle Tennessee to cover the three points. Two and a half is, is what we got for the line on that one. Uh, I think Anthony Wales needs to have a huge game from Western Kentucky if, if they're going to, to cover that or have a chance to win it. And, uh, yeah, on the other side, uh, Tavius Mathers has, has been nuts for guy. Middle Tennessee. Uh, you, you'd think Mississippi would wish that they had him right now. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, the, Richie James is really their only established receiver. Freshman Ty Lee has been stepping up a bit. But I think that it's safe to say the Middle Tennessee passing game poses no downfield threat. So maybe that's the way you beat them is just you sell out on Mathers and you, you dare Brent Stockstill to try to move the ball downfield, which this year – not having Ed Marquez, Battier, not having Terry Pettis. Uh, James is a small receiver. Ty Lee's only doing 10 yards a catch. He's also small. They're both like 5'9", 160. Okay. So, yeah, I think you can you can just sell out on them and, and press like crazy, hold those two receivers, and, and maybe that's how you beat them. That'd be, yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And then, uh, you know, just one little stat uh, to throw out there for, from uh, Yahoo's Pat Ford, or 40. Um, uh, Middle Tennessee coming off a of bye, uh, Western Kentucky is not, but they are also coming off kind of an extended week because they played last Thursday. Uh, teams that are uh, on a bye week disadvantage are 11 and 19 thus far this season, but that isn't counting the spread, so that's just straight up. Um, but this is a this is a pretty close spread. I do kind of feel like Middle Tennessee should be able to get it done uh, coming off the bye against Western Kentucky, though. Um, let's see, uh, Western Michigan at Akron. 
So it looks like Thomas Woodson's out again for Akron. That means they stand no chance. Trevon Chapman is just a running back playing quarterback. Uh, with him in there, they can't capitalize on, on Jerome Lane and JoJo Natson, and even Austin Wolf's been productive this year. Uh, Natson's banged up a bit. I think it's he's supposed to play through it, but he's he's not quite at full strength. Uh, Corey Davis is infallible. Yep. So uh, 11 and a half points is kind of a lot, if only because Western Michigan doesn't aspire to throw the ball very much. Um, but they score so rapidly that I, I still have to take their side on this one. I think so, too. I mean, and this is honestly kind of a, one of the slimmer margins, uh, at least for, or slimmer spreads as we've seen for them uh, against a conference opponent. Yeah, I, I think Akron, if they had Thomas Woodson, it would be a to- totally different sure. story. But Chapman can't throw the ball, so uh, or at least he can't move it like downfield, really. Uh, they're going to need Natson to do everything after the catch. I think basically Lane is not a f- not going to be effective as long as Chapman is the quarterback. And if, if it's just Natson, I, I think that offense is pretty containable, even though they, they do have explosive moments for sure, especially when Woodson's in there. Yep. And then we got uh, South Alabama at Arkansas State. Arkansas State, kind of surprisingly, because I think they only have one, one, one or two wins on the season, uh, they're five-point favorites against the South Alabama team that has impressive wins over Miss State uh, and San Diego State. Yeah, I can't claim to be f- very familiar with either team, but uh, yeah, beating Mississippi State, beating San Diego State means I'm going to have to take you to beat Arkansas State, even if I don't even know why. Uh, Arkansas State put Justin Hansen in, Justice Hansen in where, uh, what's his name, Chad Voidick was the starter initially, basically because he can run a little bit. Hansen can't. Uh, but Voidick couldn't throw the ball or really run it that much either. So made sense to go to Hanson. Uh, he's, he's, he's a former Oklahoma recruit, um, I think, and he seems like more of a pure passer, which is not something that Blake Anderson's scheme uh, strives for. They want a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, looks like they're just going to give it a try without one. Uh, that I don't see what choice they had to do otherwise, but they still, I just don't think they have much reliable skill position talent. Like Warren Wand is an intriguing running back, but he's like five, five, one seven. Right, he's tiny. Um, Johnston white, they got back. He was out with injury earlier this year, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I feel like the, the Arkansas state defense has shown enough vulnerability in South Alabama. You would have to think is at the very least well coached. Yes. And uh, not to say our Arkansas state isn't, um, but I, I just uh, we, we've seen a finished product from South Alabama, whereas like at best Arkansas State is a team that's trying to like slightly reconfigure its system, um, having gone to personnel that it didn't anticipate or want to use going right. into this year. But yeah, like you were, I noticed in your outline, you're like, is this just because of Southern? And yeah, it's like I think it's that Southern isn't good either. Not that Arkansas. Yeah, State Yeah, they is seem good to have taken a step them. back this year. Yeah. They, oh, certainly they have. Yeah, losing Fritz just about you know kneecapped their program. Yeah, and as we've mentioned a few times, you know, throughout the weeks, uh, Matt Breda just not looking, uh, or maybe just not being used the way he should be right now. It. And it's you know a guy that's basically had his yards per carry. How do you screw that up? How do you how do you ruin know. that? Like. How do you not just? How do you not only one third of the way ruin it? How do you cut his productivity in over half? It makes no sense. It's unbelievable. And then uh, one last sort of Group of Five game: uh, Houston twenty-one uh, point favorites at home against Tulsa. That's a lot of points. I don't think I give them that many points. Probably so- not. And you got to watch out for. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but but Houston's uh, linebacker that's uh, kind of gotten most of their sack production he sat out last week i think that did kind of play a factor in the in the uh navy game navy loss and then uh we still don't know what's going on with duke catalan he keeps getting scratched you know shortly before kickoff uh so that definitely hurts houston's run game as well um so you'd imagine that tulsa 
could be able to score slightly more than Tulsa's defense is better than people are giving them credit for. Also true. I mean, they gave up, they got into an overtime shootout with SMU, who looked like garbage before that. But um, yeah, I guess they gave up 41 points to Fresno. Is that two overtime games in a row for Tulsa? Yeah, maybe that, I don't know. I guess they can't stop Greg Ward, but I'm not convinced that Houston's defense, as good as it is, um, I, I basically think Tulsa has some talent on offense too. It's yes. not just uh, like a scheme and Evans isn't accurate, but he, he he's very experienced at this point. Uh, Keevan Lucas is doing just spectacular this year. Uh, they got two other capable receivers in Joshua Atkinson, Justin Hobbs, uh, D'Angelo Brewer's running hard. Uh, um, what's Jim what's Flanders what's his Flanders name anyway Flanders good James job Flanders. good job James <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh James Flanders is is getting hot off the bench too so I guess I just don't see if anything Tulsa's high tempo means that even if Houston gets to a 21 point lead at some point I think garbage time comes into play and they they get they get the spread that way yeah I definitely could see that see them you know kind of getting a late score to make it respectable there but I still think Houston wins yeah it definitely outright um before we get into our into our bigger Saturday slate, we got a message here from our friends at Wix.com. So you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business and you're behind, you're, you're bound to be too busy. Too, too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy about scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The, re- the result is stunning. All right, so moving on to our Saturday, uh, we're going to do a few kind of rapid fire, just sort of you know knee-jerk, uh, quick ones. Uh, starting out, my Georgia Bulldogs, 14-point uh, favorites at home to Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt covers that. I don't. Uh, I think it's just that their passing game is is one of the worst things that's ever happened. And Ralph you know, Webb, George's, uh, well, b- b- both of them, but especially Vandy. Uh, but um, Ralph Webb, very good running back for them. But he's supposed to play through an ankle injury. But even even if he can, uh, I just I just don't think that the, the Georgia running back rotation can be contained by Vanderbilt for four quarters. And in the meantime. I, I kind of like Eason stepping up a bit in this one just because... Eason is at home. He did look better yeah, at, at home against Tennessee. Yeah, that's the thing. Tennessee. He's had a lot of road exposure to the start of this year, and uh, I, I think that he's he's going to, you know, I'm not setting the bar high, but I think he's going to be a lot better this week. I certainly hope so, because last week uh, I was very, very troubled from what I saw, but uh, yeah. Nick Chubb looked really good, I thought. You know, 16 carries, 121 yards, two scores, Sonny Michelle. Uh, 21 carries, 133, uh, and uh, Brian Harrion, who's sort of uh, muscled out. Elijah Holyfield is sort of like the third back yeah. for right now, uh, and he he brings like a speed element a little bit more so than than those other two guys, or even Holyfield do. So uh, I th- I like his chances to kind of stick in that carry rotation. Um, so that that run game is going to be uh, something to watch out for, and you know Vandy is going to get tired of it. But um, I don't know. I, I, 
I'm worried about Georgia being able to to put up a ton of points here against Vanderbilt's defense. I think they only need to put up like 14. <laughs> That's fair. Um, and that, yeah, because I mean, Georgia was able to keep uh, South Carolina's offense in check. And I think South Carolina and Vanderbilt are very comparable on offense. I, I'll still lean towards Vandy getting the cover. I don't feel great about it, but <laughs> uh, I'm complimented that, that you believe in my Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, we got Clemson, uh, 18 point favorites at home against NC State. Uh, that's that's a lot of points. NC State gave them some trouble last year, but um, I I think this is this this just, just feels like the time of the year where Watson like kind of kicks it into higher gear. It, it's and starting that to the, feel that way. Yeah, and sure. if that is the case, then then no one can keep up with, or at least not a team like North Carolina State could yeah. te- keep up with them. And it's at home. I think I think Clemson probably wins by three touchdowns there. Fair um, enough. Yeah, and, and NC State kind of introduced the problem of a pr- potential like quarterback rhythm issue going to McClendon in the rain last week. Uh, still don't know about Jalen Samuels's foot, but yeah, Clemson's defense is something that NC State probably can't score on. Exactly. Although I did think that last year, and Brissett had one of those circus games that he's had at, at North Carolina State. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll take eighteen points. Yeah, indeed. And then uh, let's see, we got Maryland playing host to Minnesota. Um, I think this is the first time they've met as member as both members of the Big Ten, if I remember correctly. I don't know. Uh, um, so not a lot of history not curious there. About their backgrounds, to be honest. <laughs> that is totally fair. Uh, Maryland six and a half point favorites after getting kind of stomped by Penn State last week, but Minnesota isn't going to have Mitch Leidner, uh starting quarterback, quarterback for the last uh, uh, decade years. or so. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be bringing. I think his name is Connor Rhoda. Um, to, to start for Minnesota. That has to be pretty much the only reason why Maryland would be favored. But Maryland got gashed pretty hard on the on the ground last week by Saquon Barkley and, and by a mobile Trace McSorley. Uh, and I would imagine that Minnesota is going to try to, you know, take the pressure off of Rhoda as much as possible and, and run the ball a lot on Maryland. So, uh, I mean, Maryland had looked pretty good until last week. So there is that element to it. Yeah. But I, I think that Maryland barely squeaks this one out. Well, I think what you were saying is the positives for Minnesota are what would keep it from being like a two touchdown victory. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think at home Maryland should slap these guys up just because they do have so much speed on offense, and I, f- I feel like uh, yeah, first time starter, and it's not just a first time starter. Like Rhoda hasn't played. He's he's a he redshirted last year, I guess. Uh, the year before that, he played like two snaps, and even this year, he's only played like six. Right. Um. I don't know. I I know Minnesota has two good running backs. We especially like Shannon Brooks, but. Uh, I feel like Maryland should be able to just kind of – I think they take them by, like, 10. Okay. All right, so we're split there. Um, let's see. We got Oklahoma playing host to Kansas State. OU, I think, uh, you know, it was pretty memorable last year that they lost uh, to Texas in in the rivalry game. We weren't really sure what to make of home, Oklahoma right after that. Then they go up to Kansas State and smack them around like 55 to nothing or so, something to that effect. Uh, this year, OU, 11-point favorites at home against uh, a, you know, a pretty tough Kansas State team. How do you see this one shaking out? I, I don't know. 11 points is, is definitely a tough one for me because I, I don't think Kansas State's going to get embarrassed, but 11 does seem like the kind of – that you know the kind of margin that eventually they they win with because of you know just grinding down the Kansas State defense over f- four quarters. But the thing is, it's like Oklahoma's pass defense has been bad enough that I can't really rule out Kansas State moving the ball and like Fair. giving their defense a chance to make it competitive. And in the meantime, the Kansas State defense seems a lot better than it was last year. Um, and last year, your situation you have the dynamics are basically reversed in the sense that you know. 
going into Kansas State after losing to Texas and being angry about it is a lot of difference than being this year. Maybe like, yeah, man, we beat Texas. A little, little more relieved, a little more relaxed. Um, but that said, Oklahoma still had a disappointing year already by their standards, so maybe they, they still are a little bloodthirsty. I don't know. Could be. Um, yeah, this, it's tough to beat, Can- like especially with, with the deficiencies that OU has. I, I could see Kansas State kind of hanging in and uh, maybe only losing by like 10 or something. Yeah, it's, it's, that's why it's so tough. I mean, if, if, it, if it was like eight and a half, I'd be like, yeah, Oklahoma. But like 11 is just one of those things where it's like, God, I can, I can see either. doesn't lose like that. It's so easy like... to see a backdoor either way. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think Kansas State gets embarrassed. I think it's a late touchdown one way or the other that covers it. I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Kansas State, though, whatever. Right care. on. I have no and limitation then... to defend at this point. <laughs> and then uh, kudos to D.D. Westbrook for his insane game last week as well i think he had like 230 yards and three touchdowns so yeah good on him um let's see uh west virginia one point road favorites at texas tech i'll take them yeah i, I mean texas tech pat mahomes doing what he did last week against that kansas state defense is, is pretty amazing uh the i didn't see anybody all day who, who predicted that he would play it was like all the all the media people who were kind of doing this like no don't hold me to it Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like he's going to play. And it didn't look like he was going to play. Um, but they, they they put up huge numbers with him. Um, they did lose, though. And I think West Virginia kind of poses a similar issue to them, which is that their defense is actually kind of good. Right. And even if even if Texas Tech's going to put up 500 passing yards against any good defense, it's still the variable is enough to, to, to introduce, I think, like two, maybe a, another turnover or two than they'd normally have. Um, certainly another punch or two, and with how bad Texas Tech's defenses are guaranteed to be, that kind of matters a lot. Yes, um, especially because uh, West Virginia. I mean, Skylar Howard. I don't think anyone will mistake as accurate, but at least like because of his uh, experience level, he's turned a corner this year. It seems like as a passer, he was always a good runner. He always had good passing instincts. He just like couldn't put the ball where he wanted it to go. Sure. Um, so yeah, it is a road game. So he maybe he's not going to be as sharp as he's been to this point. But I I think he's 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 doing pretty well himself and his defense is going to help him so much more than, than Mahomes is going to get from his. Yeah. And you know, it really, to me, it's, it's a, Texas tech is always going to get theirs. In my opinion, it's just sort of, like you said, if there, if there's more turnover, uh, you know, volatility involved, uh, then, you know, that's more possessions for the other team. And that's always trouble. If you, if you're an offense that's struggling, just play Texas tech and you, you know, you'll, kind of get everything straightened out and texas tech still doesn't really have a running game they found like a little bit more of a spark with demarcus felton but i still don't think they know what they're doing there no. meanwhile west virginia uh as a, a yearly tradition russell shell starts the year as the starter but is benched for somebody better than him <laughs> and still gets like 14 ceremonial carries a game for some reason a tradition yeah. unlike any other yeah so i think we both like west virginia there yeah um let's see uh one of the Stranger games are like, you know, sort of just like a funny, like, uh, college matchup. We got Georgia Tech versus Georgia Southern. This might be the fastest in terms of just time yeah. it takes to play this game. Like an hour and 12 yeah, minutes. You or know, something. We'll, yeah, we'll like <laughs> definitely be able to like make it to Chick fil A breakfast afterward or something. Yeah, no advertising for this game because they couldn't figure out how to meter the spots. <laughs> no. But um, I'd take Georgia Tech by 11, even though they're only going to have three drives. Yeah, Southern, Southern, like we said, has taken a pretty colossal step back. I think Georgia Tech should be able to handle them uh, relatively easily. Um, undefeated Nebraska coming off a bye, but still a little bit 
banged up, going to Indiana, who really, uh, you know, they were holding uh, Ohio State's feet to the fire for at yeah. least a little bit last week. Until I'll take Indiana in this one. I, I honestly I mean, might as well. It doesn't look like they're going to have Wester Camp for Nebraska. Do you know about Izikbo? Not that I think he's even good. I think Newby's better, but... Yeah, Newby is is better right now. So I mean that that I mean no Zigbo just kind of uh it hurts. Is he out? Uh not totally sure oh, okay. yet, but uh you know that'll come to light probably Lester in the next Camp couple is days. Big. Alonzo uh, Moore, I think, is, is still like a little shook up going mm-hmm. into it. Um I don't know what the deal with Brandon Riley is. He hasn't really done anything. His, his hamstring, I think like it he's playing through it, but it's it's something he's that's a just gonna bug he needs him. His hamstring. Yeah. Um I mean, and it's just that I, I also think Kevin Wilson is a way better coach than Mike Riley. Dang. So uh, I, I think I think uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not convinced that Nebraska's defense is is going to stop Indiana's offense, especially because I, I think Lago is pretty decent turnover proneness aside. Um, yeah, at, at home I think Indiana takes that. I, I especially like them to cover. Yeah, but I do like them to win too. You, you would wish that Indiana showed a little bit more competency, like in the red zone last week, than than it, it really did. But I think that. You know, it doesn't fall on Wilson so much as it falls on on their offensive coordinator. But I think like they would get they would move the ball reasonably well on on Ohio State, which no one has done to this point. And then they would just kind of stall out a little bit. Uh, I think part of that is they don't have a great red zone uh, running back at all. Divine Redding still without a touchdown, despite getting like twenty carries a game. Yeah, uh, so that's a little bit funky. But at the same time, Nebraska doesn't have uh, in the same sort of stratosphere of defense as. Uh, Ohio State does so. right, and and Indiana's defense is kind of good this year. Which yeah, is so especially by that. I don't standards. know how I don't know how handicappers can factor that in. Like they haven't had a good defense ever. Right? Yeah, I think you'd have to go black and white to find one. <laughs> so I think we both are in on the Hoosiers. There, um, we got a strength on strength here. We got Virginia Tech nineteen and a half point favorites on the road at Syracuse. Obviously, a very high flying offense with Virginia Tech, one of the better uh, secondaries as a unit in the entire country. Um, How's this? Shape? I, I'm starting to feel like I, I love Syracuse so much, and I love watching them play. But I'm starting to get the feeling that that maybe their their over under win total of four makes makes more sense than I thought it did. And I think Virginia Tech's going to pound them. Yeah, uh, Virginia Tech looks really good. Um, I I don't know. I I guess I guess the the variable that's just kind of hard is like how will they match up to that tempo and do, like does Syracuse have something about them where they just like sneakily get to the cover because they just they tire out your defense in a way that you didn't really anticipate mm-hmm. um they seem to have their conditioning down because like i mean they did it to louisville they put more yardage on them than i thought they would uh still got the cover took on them because lamar jackson um but yeah I, I i i think virginia tech wins this pretty easily i just i'm not sure if i think it's going to be by 20 points I I just kind of feel like it like it will. I think that Syracuse is is going to get flustered on the offensive side of the ball, even with that sort of uh, with that pace. And obviously, that their potential is insane uh, to put up points and, and yards and such. But I do think that Virginia Tech will be able to hold. I think they have a lot of momentum coming into this game, especially after how awesome last week went for them. So I think that uh, they, they're going to be able to go up to the Carrier Dome, where it's not a not a very difficult place to play if you're a road team. And I think they're going to be able to get it done uh, and cover. Um, Mizzou, Florida, the only reason I really wanted to bring this up is just because I thought Drew Locke took a big step back against, or, uh, you know, kind of gave us all a reality check uh, with his performance against LSU on the road. So I think it, it's not as terrifying as an environment, but the swamp is still like no joke. So uh, I'd be worried about Mizzou here. And then I think Florida is also getting their, their starting quarterback 
uh, Luke Del Rio back in the fold. So I would imagine that Florida should be able to take care of business as yeah, well. Yeah, I still I think Locke is still promising, but the sure. problem is like LSU. Yeah, a, a uniquely good defense and playing on the road doesn't help. Uh, the problem for for Missouri specifically is Florida is a very analogous situation going to Florida to play that defense. So uh, it's, there's no indication that that lock is ready for this kind of test maybe next year, but right. uh, now not so much. So yeah, Florida should be able to, to take that one. And then uh, USC at Arizona uh, for your season long guys, Ronald Jones looks like he's right. finally going to get his shot. And definitely own Darnold if he's – I mean, yeah. not definitely. Some some leagues are just are small, I guess, or, or shallow, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Darnold and Jones, you got to like both in this game. Juju, obviously, is, is, is probably going to get going a bit in this one. But, yeah, Ronald Jones hasn't done anything this year, which is weird because he was way way more efficient and explosive than Justin yeah, Davis set, last year. set, like, the freshman record at USC. Yeah, so he he should get going, especially because of that backup. I can't remember his name, um, but he's he's not done anything the last two years. Whereas like at least Cedric Ware, yeah, or something? something like that. Whereas at least Jones was was you know p- producing at a blistering pace last year. I right. think he has a big one this week. I think so too. I think you also US, USC to cover. Yes, yeah, and Arizona. I think they might be using a true freshman third string right. quarterback. It's not so much even their fault. It's just yeah. that they're be- they're really really beat up. It's like, it's bad. Uh, their top two quarterbacks look like they might be out. They're down to um, well Nick Wilson. Who knows any week about? Him. Yeah, we're we're not sure if he's going to play. Uh, yeah, like his backups out. Now. His other backup got kicked off the team for, for domestic doing horrible violence. things. Yeah. yeah um, yeah, they like they were looking at starting their slot receiver at running back, so it's all going swimmingly. Yeah, tough times out there. Um, at least it's sunny and stuff. Um, big games this week. We got only a handful of them. We've been kind of spoiled these past few weeks. This one's a little. The cupboard's a little bit bare, but you know, uh, we got Bama going up to Tennessee. Uh, this would have a lot more juice to it if Tennessee was able to pull it off last week at Kyle Field, but. Still a good game, in my opinion. We got Bama, uh, thirteen point favorites up in Knoxville. Uh, it's it's at Knoxville. Yes. Um, I don't know. I, I I'll still take Alabama. I guess I just I I, I do worry about Josh Dobbs in, against a defense like that. Although he he has had I don't know he's done better than I thought in the past too. I guess it's but it's good that that Jalen Hurd's going to be back as well for Tennessee. I don't think it is. Like I think he's worse than Kamara at least this year. Like Kamara was beast last week. Yeah, and he was. Almost, against Alabama, it's like. You're not going to overpower them. You're True. not going to beat them in terms of like time of possession unless you're just giving up a touchdown every play that they're on offense. So uh, I think you're better just like spreading out the field as much as possible and trying to get yourself in as many one-on-one foot race scenarios. Like basically, you know how Clemson did. You, you, any t- their their best uh, the best success against Alabama's defenses have been by like dual threat quarterbacks and then like throwing downfield. Like try right. to spread them out because if they're if they're together, they're just going to crush you. It's a guaranteed. Um, but I, I just I don't as as much promise and explosiveness as, as Josh Malone and Jawan Jennings have shown. I just don't really think Tennessee has the personnel, and yet, like you were saying, their defense is beat up. Yeah, extremely so. beat up. They're going to be. I mean, they're already missing Jalen Reeves, maybe, and that was a big reason why A and M was able to do uh, what they did to them uh, last week. And then uh, Danny o- O'Neill or O'Brien, uh, he left the field on a stretcher last week. Subsequently, was kicked off the team for a separate issue. But you know that's losing a starter uh, along the defensive front. So you got to imagine that, that Bama's going to be able to to sort of move the ball in Tennessee more than uh, you would have anticipated maybe even two weeks ago. I think Tennessee's just way too beat up right now. Uh, so I, I do think that Bama should be able to take care of business there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next we got 
at Miami. It's yeah. UNC um, yep. d- drying themselves off <laughs> and trying to f- relocate their dignity. Um, do we know if Elijah Hood's going to play after missing last week? It does look promising. It looks like he's going to be back. So that's that's definitely helpful. And also not playing in an actual hurricane. And uh, uh, also good. Miami's uh, leading receiver, Stacy Coley, has like an MCL sprain mm-hmm. that I guess we don't know if he's going to play through. So if Hood is in, and it, even if Coley's in, um, if as long as Hood is in, I think I like UNC to cover the seven and a half. I do too. Um, but Miami, uh, I don't see losing this one. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably fair. I think Miami should should be able to come out with the win, but it'll be close, like you said. Um, let's see, we got Ole Miss, uh, seven and a half point favorites at Arkansas. Man, uh, Arkansas just does wacky stuff every week. Like, yeah, you, been, they're since tough last to year, Bielema. I don't know if it's just like as he said, some kind of like outlook on life change. But like it's it's it, like at Wisconsin and even early in Arkansas at times, it was just like we're gonna run the ball and just be boring and lame. And they still run the ball a lot, obviously, but they get into these just like circus scenarios of like just uh, maybe it's just something about like they, they've emphasized the downfield pass a lot more. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I can see this one being a surprisingly high scoring game. Um, I don't uh, seven and a half is hard. I want to take Ole Miss, but I, I can't really because I'm I just can't. I can't get out of my head all the Arkansas wackiness of the last two years, and they've got a, they've got one of the best receiver rotations in the country too. So um, Austin Allen's been picking up steam. I don't see a reason why they can't keep up in a shootout. I'll still take Ole Miss to win, but I'm not taking a seven. And you half, also see, did you happen to see the video of, of uh, Ole Miss's Chad Kelly and what he was doing on the bye week? Oh yeah, he's a, he's a, he's really got it all figured out. Yep, this life do, thing doing good. Just uh, you know enjoying. What do you taking... think he did? Like, do you remember when he was at Clemson and Dabo was just like, no, yeah, he was like we're not talking about that kid. <laughs> like it was. I don't remember what happened exactly, but I remember there was just like weird, just like no, he's gone. Next question, kind of thing. Yeah, there you know. There's some mention of an AK-47, I think, at some point. Oh, that's know. good. Yeah. I didn't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I think it, I don't think he ever like was in possession of one. I think he just like he like said it to somebody. Uh, I don't know. He said, "I'm going to get my chopper if you say that again." Oh um, boy. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. And then he basically almost got in a fight at a high school football game last week when he was supposed to just be kind of laying you, low. If you get the, ch- you have to. You have to do what he did. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's what you do when you, when your team's not playing. You just go and remind those kids, like, hey, I could beat you up. Yeah, dude. So, so uh, yeah, I don't really know what to think of this game, but I would imagine that Arkansas uh, is able to keep it uh, within seven and a half. I'll take the over, whatever it is. I don't even know what Ooh, it good is. Good point. That's a, that's a, that, I think that's the way to bet that game. Then um, we got Notre Dame playing host to a beat up Stanford team that uh, we've mentioned is really kind of. Uh, seeing their season slip away. Uh, I'll take Notre Dame without even knowing how the injury things with Stanford turn out. I mean, three points isn't that much to ask sure. of them, even if they are a joke in their own right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if because Stanford has no threats offensively, especially if McCaffrey's out. So I will take Equinemius St. Brown playing just like him versus 11 Stanford defenders. It looks like that would actually be pretty favorable for, for St. Brown at this point. That guy is... He's coming on extremely strong. He's been one of the more impressive uh, sort of newcomers this he had year. Thirty yards in the hurricane. Yeah, that's so that's like that's like three hundred yards. His whole team on, on proper land, <laughs> on proper land. Uh, so yeah, no, we think Notre Dame takes the Cardinal there. Um, 
let's see, UCLA at Washington State, no line yet because we're sort of waiting on waiting to see what Man, is going mess. on with jo- Josh they're Rosen. They're, they can't run the ball now. Josh Rosen's hurt. That's that's just they've got really issues big. in house. Like in the house, they like the the Jamabo thing never made any sense and still like, doesn't. The production falling off immediately. It's like uh, like a team with that kind of recruiting capital apparently having no one who can catch or run means that like something's just off like the the players are not they don't have their heads in it or the, the, the coach doesn't i don't know what uh but yeah without knowing what what's up with rosen and already knowing they couldn't beat uh arizona state with their backup quarterback and then the backup quarterback getting a season ending injury um they screwed that up i don't know how they don't screw this up especially because washington state at least is like an experienced team at home um they they don't seem to have any issues of focus as much as mike leach you know is constantly Waking sure. up screaming about participation trophies and whatever else. They were uh, able to beat UCLA in UCLA la- or at UCLA last year, so now yeah. it's in Pullman, so you got to like that even better. What do now. you guess the line is going to be? Like five and a half Washington State? Yeah, I think if Rosen plays? Yeah, uh, I guess if, if, if we know he's going to play, I, I would guess like two and a half. But either way, I think I'm taking Washington State. Yeah, I think that they should be able to win this one. They have running backs comfortably. Now. Yeah. And, they have like uh, three good running backs. The backup for UCLA did not look particularly impressive even against uh, Arizona State. I think he was like three for 11 Well, with that's two only picks the worst pass defense in like the whole country. So Yeah, so not particularly encouraging. And it's not encouraging that like uh, there there's no like sophomore or juniors. It's like this sort of uh, – uh, fifth year senior guys just kind of like hung around to just be the backup. Um, still couldn't get anything done on Arizona State. Call so. them doctors. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, I guess we like Washington State yep. there. And and for the part of the the podcast where we're especially me most reliable, Always Wisconsin. Right. Uh, they're at home against Ohio State, who's favored by ten points. I thought it was like ten and a half. At, I saw it earlier this morning, but this what I, you're probably right. This is just the odds I got off of ESPN's uh, like oh, okay. preview box score thing. Well, yeah, either way, um, I don't need to defend my record on this subject. Uh, give me Ohio What's State. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh god, actually, I've, I've been I've been waffling on this. No, so I, hard. I actually am too. I I but I don't, I don't see what I have to just be I have to be like ironic to 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 hide my uh, shame and and self-loathing. <laughs> it's just I mean, how do you see this one shaking out? There there's so many I don't see Wisconsin variables. doing anything on offense. That's the right. problem. Like I can't see them doing anything on offense and like maybe maybe JT Barrett turns the ball over because it is Camp Randall and it's going to be nuts. Um, nighttime as well. Yeah, it's going to be nuts, and uh, I can see him turning the ball over at like his own twenty or something, and then Troy Fumagalli catching a play action touchdown. But that's it. I think that's all I can imagine Wisconsin scoring, even not even field goals. They don't have Gaglione, right? So like, I mean, that backup wide receiver kicker or whatever walk on made his one field goal against Michigan State or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just I cannot see Wisconsin moving the ball. I think they need like at least two defensive touchdowns to to get within like six points and i think probably at least one to get within 10 i don't yeah i just don't i don't think that barrett's gonna have a bad game at all actually either. right you I said think, that i was surprised by that um i just think that that what he like what wisconsin has been able to do against the sort of tough teams or perceived tough teams uh they've been pretty vanilla offenses for the most part michigan the best of the bunch i would say but i mean that's that's just like michigan's 
sort of attack is like a, a Wisconsin one on steroids as far as just like a deep running back rotation or to just keep like punching you in the mouth. You don't want to be too literal, um, but uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that makes sense actually. And, um, and But whereas Ohio State, a lot faster and a lot more multiple, and I think that that's going to give – that's where Wisconsin's going to run into trouble. They haven't seen anything quite like that yeah. yet, and I think that Barrett, you know, if – I really do trust the Wisconsin corners, and I don't have like a ton of trust in the Ohio State receivers yet, aside from like Curtis Samuel. But you take away the pass a little bit from Barrett, he's going to burn you with his with with his run. So yeah, and I think the way Wisconsin would need to sell out against the run is the kind of way that guys like Noah Brown do end up having big games. Good so uh, yeah, I, I can I can I'm going to take Ohio State for ten. I just uh, you know I guess I'd be even dumber than I am to to not feel nervous about it. <laughs> I I honestly, gosh man, I, I'm still still waffling on this one. So uh, you know, obviously take a, take my word exactly because it's gonna you know, it's not like it's gonna change a million times between now and kickoff. But at, at this point, I do feel like Ohio State should be able to cover this. But I yeah, feel, put I feel me down icky. for it. Um, let's see. We got a little bit of time left here. Um, any particular season long discussions you want to bring up? Uh, well, you mentioned it, we we mentioned him uh, last week a little bit when we were talking about Western Michigan, Northern Illinois. But if he's still available, Anthony Maddie probably you want to own in your leagues. The yes. Northern Illinois Big quarterback time. who he, he maybe he's just a receiver playing quarterback, but who cares? Yeah, that's he can run. that's totally cool for fantasy purposes. Oh yeah, he's running wild. Uh, Central Michigan is a good defense by Max standards, but I, I think. I think that system is time tested enough, and Maddie is apparently just straight up fast enough yep. that uh, they should be able to take pretty much anybody in the MAC and get him at least uh, at least in garbage time, get him some numbers. Um, but yeah, any do you have any other um, top highlights in in your article this week, John? Um, Jordan Chun is a guy I've brought up a couple times. Troy's running back. He just seems like uh, quietly just like one of the more bankable uh, workloads in the country. He's getting over 20, 20 there, rushes. There's a, game. a lot of good mid major teams this year, and Troy is one that doesn't get any attention, but they look really tough. Yeah, they you know they took Clemson. You know they made Clemson really sweat it out. Uh, hard in, in that sort of just slop fest that was week two across the college football landscape but that you know that's something that definitely uh like grabbed my attention a lot so that that's something to look out for i think carlos henderson super impressed with with what he was able to do last week against western kentucky i mean he was just like blowing the top off of the yeah, hilltoppers defense. I, yeah. I don't know i haven't i haven't seen any workout numbers on him or anything but he's always had expl- ex- insane explosiveness and he was supposed to be limited like during that game right you, you know the the reporter was like you you know, this is kind of looking like a last week scenario where he's not really doing anything before the game. He might not even start. And then he goes ahead and does start. And then he just absolutely just, you know, eight catches, 232 yards and, and three touchdowns or yeah. something to that effect. So that is, I mean, those are some serious numbers. And going against a team like UMass, uh, I think that Louisiana Tech is just going to come out and score like a zillion points in the first half and then just kind of ride craft, uh, run the clock out. Yeah, uh, Nick Gray is our, one of our other columnists in his uh, waiver wire advice article. I, I like his I like his pick for uh, the ACC, Jester Wea. Way I don't know how to pronounce it. The receiver at Pittsburgh. He's going oh, okay. against Virginia. It should be an up tempo matchup because Virginia has an up tempo offense, and Pittsburgh's pass defense is giving up a lot of big plays. Wea is is a native of Madison, actually, and apparently no Wisconsin didn't recruit him, but they definitely could have used wide receiver talent like him. He's having a good year. Uh, for Pittsburgh, you might also like Quadri uh, Henderson. Henderson as well, but he's more of like a runner than a receiver almost. Uh, Nick also points out Dakiel Shorts at West Virginia. 
going against Texas Tech. I definitely like that one. Shelton Gibson gets all the attention, but Shores actually, I think, it has higher target volume. Um, more veteran player. They should both go off in that one, I think. Also, like Justin Crawford, the running back, uh, as Nick mentions in his article. If if uh, Wes Lunt is out against... Chance Crouch, then? Yeah, if Chase Crouch... I mean, he's running a lot. I don't know anything about him, to be honest. Um, but if he's going against Rutgers um, and, and, and Lunt is out, you might like him, if only for the rushing yardage potential. So that's someone to keep in mind. And I would also drop Keyshawn Vaughn if you have Yeah, him. he's, uh, what he's the, completely what fallen out of the rotation. I don't know expletives, why exactly. Expletives, expletives, Because we were both pretty high on him coming into the year. He's really super impressive as a freshman, but he seems to have just completely dropped off the face of the earth. He's not even injured, so... Uh, I don't know. Just Lovey Smith wanted to shake it up, and I think what he what he did to shake it up, you know, has kind of worked. So they're they're just going to stick with it for now. Maybe Vaughn comes, you know, comes back to life late in the season. Uh, but I definitely prefer to to have a guy like Crouch you know, starting a quarterback this week because of that rushing upside. Yep. And uh, let's see one one other a weird quarterback situation. Nick Holly at Kent State, who had, huh. I, I kind of like deleted Kent State from my memory because their their offense has been so bad the last few years since basically since Dre Archer left. Right. Um, but at least now this Nick Holly, who who's not new there, but they've seemed to start using him in a different way. Uh, he had 224 yards rushing and four touchdowns last week against Buffalo. Uh, the week before that, 117 yards and a touchdown against Akron. Um, so he's he's showing some interesting numbers after I think he was not I think he was on the bench the first month of the year. So uh, they switched hmm. up at quarterback. Um, if you're in especially a deeper league, he might be worth looking at in case he can keep that momentum on the ground. He's got Miami of Ohio this week, who is competent but not overwhelming by max standards. Um, but yeah, I guess that. Can't really recall much. Uh, I guess in the Pittsburgh game. I like game, the James Butler call as well. Oh um, yeah, I mean he's he's automatic. He's a guy. Yeah, yeah. You should be owned in your league if he's not. But he's got he's got three games of over 160 yards. Uh, the touchdown production you'd imagine when he's getting that many yardage is going to like kind of come up, and he's going to have some more multi touchdown games. Uh, yeah. San Jose State's a type of team that will allow that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think Butler goes wild in that one. But otherwise, um, I should have mentioned in, in that Pit- – I like that Pittsburgh-Virginia game in general for yeah. shootout potential. So um, if you had Taekwon Mazel on the bench, fire him up. Uh, the quarterback, Kurt Bankard, might take some sacks for Virginia to, for Virginia because uh, Pittsburgh does rush the passer well, at least, even if they give up a lot through the air. So, um, But he should throw the ball like 45 times in that game. So I uh, have to like him a little bit. I'm trying to just breeze through the team list, and I'm not like having things jump out at me as far as as far as waiver pickups. Otherwise, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I guess it, I guess that's about all I got for that. Uh, any final thoughts, John? Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Uh, I think it's a, it's it's an underratedly good slate of games. It doesn't have quite the marquee matchups, but I think there's a lot uh, to look out for. And of course, I'm, I'm getting pretty pumped for uh, even if maybe. I've had no interaction with Ohio State fans before, so I don't really know how this weekend's going to go. But I, I imagine I it should be pretty fun. I, I think whenever game day comes to wherever you are, it's fun. For some reason, Wisconsin people were apparently nice to the LSU ones, but I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they get Probably along with that. Big Ten types. Yes, yeah, Madison so. people are jerks. By the way, the <laughs> students who are Wisconsin fans, embarrassing crowd. <laughs> No, I mean it's 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 not fair to the the, the fan base at, at large. It's just the students here because they get drunk at six a.m. and uh, apparently are not very scholarly like by noon. Yeah, I uh, yeah, this is a night I, game, so I, they're just going to be blacked out. All I was time. wearing my Georgia shirt walking to work one Saturday morning when they were playing Georgia State, and uh, yeah, definitely heard some 
some not so nice things said oh, to me, even though uh, it wasn't the same school. I have not even been wearing school's shirts of any kind, and I've gotten crap in Madison for like <laughs> not wearing red. Like, hey, where are you? Uh, who are you? I've, I've got stories I can't even repeat on this show about strangers just like walking up to me for some reason, like, "Why are you wearing a band shirt, huh?" Like I'm wearing like one of my punk shirts or something. Like, "Hey, who's that guy?" Oh so, like, no! It's great. So yeah, uh, at least they're all red, so maybe they'll be confused and like just be so drunk they think everybody's their friend or something. There's a high probability of that. So I think with that, we're going to sign off here from from the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, brought to you by Wix.com. Again, I'm John McKechnie, and joined as always by Mario Puig. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter, Mario? Uh, it's at NFL Draft underscore RW. All right, that'll do it for us today. Oh, and I am at Johnny McKex as well. Again, this was the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.